Hey friends, Merry Almost Christmas! I'm Linda, and thanks for tuning in to Calling Water. Once again, we're examining a passage of scripture to discover both what it means and what it calls us to do. In today's episode, On Whom His Favor Rests, we're looking at the original Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and how the birth of Jesus brought God's favor upon us all. Before we continue, I want to take a minute to thank all of you who have supported this podcast by listening every week and through financial contributions as well. Don't forget, you can give at any time through Venmo at Adam Down Church. That's A-R-U-M-D-A-U-N Church. And you can also find this information in our show notes. Okay, let's get started with today's message. So I know the latest installment of the Spider-Man movies just came out, and no, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm bringing it up to Marvel, no pun intended, at the Empire that is the Marvel Comics universe. It's amazing how many different kinds of superheroes we learn about and how interesting each of their origin stories is to us. And I think most of us are especially fond of origin stories like Peter Parker's because he has such a tragic background and yet one radioactive spider bite later, he turns it around and becomes the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Stories like these are somewhat relatable because it shows us that amidst humble adversity, hard work, and perhaps just one lucky break could make all the difference. And yeah, success stories like these are prevalent in our society. I mean, without the superpowers, of course. We were taught as kids that if we work hard, we will achieve our goals. But as we grow older, we discover that it's not so much what you know, but who you know. Luck doesn't favor the prepared so much as it favors the connected Well, luck may operate that way, but not our God, because when it comes to God's favor, it rests on all those who have the heart to seek him, and seek him we must. Let's take a look at Jesus's origin story, if you will, to see what that means. We can trace the origins of Jesus's family tree in both Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3. My mom once told me a story about an old man who would read the Bible diligently every day, but he would only read Matthew chapter 1, which, if you know it, is the genealogy of Christ. You know, someone, the father of so-and-so, the father of such-and-such. It's not a thrilling read. And when he was finally asked why he did this curious thing of only reading Matthew chapter 1, he said that, he was going to go to heaven soon and meet all these people and that the least he could do is learn their names. Now that little story stayed with me because I'm not going to lie, I tend to skip over these parts because other than a few notable names, the Bible doesn't tell us enough about each of these people for us to really care about them. But the genealogy was a crucial element in establishing a person's pedigree back in those times. Both Matthew and Luke included in their Gospels, and it shows us two things. At the surface level, it shows us that Jesus was descended from a long line of kings. After all, the Messiah was said to be from the lineage of King David himself. 
But beyond that, if you dig below the surface, the genealogy of Christ reveals something else. It shows Jesus is descended from a long line of sinners and outsiders. I invite you to go back and read through the names with intention, like the old man in that story, and you'll find that the origin stories of some of those names are quite shocking. As someone once said, the bloodline of Christ exposes our need for the blood of Christ. Moreover, it exposes the fact that Christ's birth was not concocted by people. He was truly from God, and this is why our I particularly love Luke's genealogy because while Matthew starts with Abraham and works forward, Luke starts with Jesus and goes backward in reverse chronological order. That's why in Luke chapter 3 verse 38, we come to the end of the record and it goes, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Luke establishes in that one genealogy that Jesus comes directly from God. So Jesus being born into this precise moment in history and into this family tree was not a coincidence. It was all God, and it was prophesied even before people knew such a Savior was coming. I mean, the prophecies even mentioned where Jesus was going to be born. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 tells us, But you... Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And then if we go into the Christmas story as told by Luke in chapter 2, he begins with the fact that Joseph and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem from Nazareth because of a census that was being issued. And this was not a happy pilgrimage. A census was being taken for taxation purposes. This was a time in history where the Jews were being oppressed under the Roman government with no hope for reprieve. And then you all know the story from that point on because everyone knows the nativity story, right? Now, to be fair, in all likelihood, Jesus was probably not born in a stable, like we've been told since childhood. But regardless, any place that wasn't the royal palace was less than dignified for the birth of the king of kings. Regardless, in an unremarkable little town, in an unremarkable little room, Jesus was born and placed in a manger. This shows us that Jesus indeed came to the earth during a time when the people were poorest and weakest, and he became just like one of them. And then how does this royal birth get announced? The only deserving way, really. Angels. But the angels don't wake the whole town and make a declaration to everyone. An angel of the Lord appears to shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And this is what the angel says to them in verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Now, this was the kind of language reserved for emperors and kings. But let's think about that for a sec. Was this really good news that will cause great joy for all the people? Because not long afterward, 
Herod tries to hunt down the baby Jesus and kill him. And years later, when people learn of the good news of who Jesus is, Jesus is rejected by almost everyone once they learn the kind of savior Jesus came to be. But this pronouncement by angels was a timeless one. This news of the Savior's birth will stand the test of time and will constantly be good news that will cause great joy whenever we think about the fact that the source of our salvation was born that night. And the angel continues in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A savior has been born to you. Born to who? The audience of this message were shepherds. The angel tells them that the savior has been born to them directly. Now, Jesus is not just a celebrity that has been brought into the world. His birth will affect the whole world. The angels appearing to shepherds is evidence that God includes everyone, yes. God is not classist and invites everyone to bear witness to the child who will save us all. But moreover, I'm convinced that the shepherds were the first people to hear because their hearts were ready to receive the message. Because upon hearing the news, scripture tells us the shepherds went straight away to search for Jesus and then told everyone they heard about it. And they were humble. They felt honored to receive the news directly from heavenly hosts, no less. And they might have been simple, they might have been uneducated, but for that reason, they didn't second guess or logic their way out of the situation. They simply accepted it and hurried off to find Jesus. Once the news is out, an entire company of angels filled the sky, praising God and saying in verse 14, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The song they sing reminds us what the appropriate response is when we hear of the birth of Jesus. In today's terms, when Christmas time comes around, this is how we are supposed to be responding. I mean, I love Christmas. Everyone knows this. I love everything about the way we celebrate it every year. I love the colors, the lights, the decorations, the gifts, the wrapping, the movies, the ugly sweaters, the dreams of a white Christmas while scorching in 90 degree California winter weather, all of it. And I know in our hearts, we know Jesus is the reason for the season, as we say. But the birth of Jesus rarely gets the attention and praise that it is due. Now, let's take apart the song. The angels sang first, Glory to God in the highest heaven. Now, this was a historical event for the world with a lasting significance for ages to come. But we can't treat it like a one-time historical event, like it was a fun little factoid about the past. Because this one night changed the course of human history forever. I mean, I suppose we can say that about a lot of things. But the birth of Jesus is the only one that we can talk about to say that someone was born with the sheer purpose of reconciling humankind to God. 
and taking away the sins of the world. No one else can claim that. And this is why glory must be given to God who lives in the highest heaven. He is the only one who could pull off such a feat. What other God could sacrifice his only son, a son who had been with him from the beginning of time as God himself, to save that which he created with his hands? He could have easily destroyed and abandoned, but instead he chose to save and forgive. Glory to God in the highest heaven indeed. And this is why the second part of the song is even more meaningful. They sing, On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, when we think of this word favor, we think of it as some kind of luck or good fortune, right? Like, you know, like in Hunger Games, may the odds be ever in your favor. To have favor is to be blessed and to be lucky. But when the angel appeared in Luke chapter 1 to Mary and told her she had found favor with God, what did she receive? Was there any kind of luck or blessing in that? Did she win some sort of ancient Palestinian lottery? No, if anything, she objectively got the worst news ever. She was going to be pregnant with a baby that would not be her husband's, and she would have to endure both physical and emotional pain as a fringe benefit. But the fact that she had God's favor meant that she was trusted with this task of caring the Savior. She loved God and she did this willingly and God knew her heart. So favor shouldn't be seen as some kind of blessing. Rather, favor is God's love. To have God's favor is to be loved by God. Now, when the angel sang, peace to those on whom his favor rests, that didn't mean peace to those who are lucky enough to be chosen by God. Since God loves the world, that meant his favor rested on everyone, which in turn means peace to everyone. And what kind of peace are they talking about? Again, let me remind you that Jesus was born during turbulent times, but from the standpoint of the Roman government, they had achieved some hard-earned peace by ending civil wars and establishing military rule. But the kind of peace that God would bring to all people was not a political state of being. It's the kind of peace described in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, a peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The birth of Jesus gave joy and peace that night, but it continues to give us joy and peace today, or rather it should. Because we can look around at our world right now here at the end of 2021, where COVID is still hanging on around with its latest variant, Hate and violence is everywhere, and our personal lives are not picture perfect by any means. But despite all of this, we can have joy. We can have peace. And yes, to the world, it makes absolutely no sense. But when we embrace that, the baby Jesus in our hearts, and all that he came to do is something that we embrace. Nothing else matters all that much. 
the birth of Jesus reminds us that God truly loved this world so much that he gave up his one and only son. And whoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. The birth of Jesus is a love story to us. It's a love letter to us from God. So this Christmas, let's once again find that simplistic joy like a kid on Christmas morning, as the saying goes. Let's experience Jesus again as though we are for the first time. Let's think about that one night in Bethlehem where a young girl gave birth to an infant son and the heavens responded in praise. And from that moment on, people everywhere will begin to seek him. And then they will find him and he will welcome them. Let's remember the freedom we have because of Jesus. Let's contemplate just how incredible it is that our worth isn't determined by what we have or what we do because we have been redeemed simply by saying yes. So as you open all the wonderfully curated gifts given to you by loved ones, half of which you'll probably return, open your heart to receive the greatest gift ever gifted. I mean, talk about a gift that keeps on giving. You can't do any better than Jesus. Receive Jesus. Receive the joy and peace he gives. Then do one better. Gift Jesus. Re-gift Jesus. Share the good news that has caused and will continue to cause great joy for all the people all the people on whom his favor rests, which includes you and me. Let's pray. God, thank you for your son, whom we have gladly accepted, but rarely do we stop and think about what it cost you to gift him to us. We hear the story of the first day the vehicle of your salvation was brought into this world and we shrug it off so casually because we've heard it before. Forgive our callous hearts and cause us to experience the same joy and peace that put angels in the skies and sent the shepherds in a frenzy to find you. Give us that same urgency to meet you and worship you, not just in a chapel, but in the way we live our lives. Thank you for resting your favor on us all by giving us Christmas and for giving us Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.